Check, starting. Check, 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 check. Test. Episode 140. I know that from the back. Is it 140? It is. Last one, yeah, 139. Yeah. We should make this 140, the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast. Kind of a special episode. We're here. This is Chris Bevelo with Interval, putting on the podcast, and I have one of my normal co-hosts here with me. Yes, Adam Meyer, Creative Director at Interval. And we have a special guest. Chris Boyer. Director Old of yeah. with the Nova Health System. That's right. Sorry, I cut you off. That's why I didn't. Yeah. And we're we're here at Runyon's. Runyon's. Downtown Minneapolis. Are they named after their onion rings? No, they're Runyon named after rings? the runs you get. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're named after. We could ask the waitress, but I bet she wouldn't know either. Yeah. No. Well, I'm gonna guess it's somebody's last name. Paul, you think so? Paul Runyon. <laughs> oh, that's and his, right. And his blue ox. And his blue ox. <laughs> hey, we're looking at the four rules of success. Yeah, so in this bar, this is a great bar. It's like an old school bar restaurant. And it's got pictures. It's, I think it's filled with pictures mainly of people in a Runyon's t-shirt from all around the world over the last like 40 years. Yes. But there are other things to make stand as like some pithy quotes. And at the table we're at are the four rules of success from Dr. Luther Waxling. <laughs> so we thought we'd break these down for you. Number one is strength needs no excuse. That's right. No idea what that means. I, but number two is even, even more puzzling. The past, the past is pointless. I'm not sure I agree with that, but... <laughs> and Adam, I think Shocking. you should be number three because it's appropriate to you. Just because it happened to you, it doesn't make it interesting. Wow. Or Pinteresting. <laughs> Which is part of our topic. Joe Public. Just because it happened to you doesn't make it interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Now, is that a rule of success? Not sure about that. It's more like a rule to live by. Yeah. Uh, and number four is the things you apologize for are the things you want the most. Which is interesting. So, like, if I bump into somebody on the street and I say I'm sorry, that means I you want to I crave bumping on the street, <clears throat> street bumping, street called. bumping. How is that a rule of success? Again? I'm really sorry for looking at your iPad too, Chris. That's funny. <laughs> You're so explicit and literal. <laughs> transparent. That's what I'm looking for. So yeah. So thank you, Dr. Luther Waxling. For a rousing star to our podcast. Who is this guy? I think that is Dr. Ruther Wax. I don't know who that is. He's in pain now. I think he's dropping a deuce. <laughs> we are eating lunch here. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Oh, is this going nice. to be another one of these lost podcasts that never <laughs> makes it to the air? It never makes it to the air. Well, let's talk about, well, we can actually talk about healthcare marketing. We should. Should we talk about, as Dan Dunlop puts it, what's all the interest in Pinterest? <laughs> <laughs> he has, a, I think, two blog posts on this. He does. Mm-hmm. What is all the interest? So we were joking about, we actually mentioned Pinterest a few podcasts ago mm-hmm. in passing. Um, and what I find interesting about it to start is my girlfriend, who she would agree is not technically savvy at all. Right? Mm-hmm. She calls it her computer machine <laughs> to kind of illustrate how. And she's all over Pinterest. Before I even heard of it or knew what it was, right. she's all over it. And... You had that quote from those guys you listen to. Oh, yeah, I'll give them credit. It's a podcast on the 5x5 network um, called Geek Friday. And being a geek, I try to catch it when I can. But they were talking about it, and uh, the host was, like, mad. Because <laughs> uh, he hadn't heard of Pinterest. He knew nothing about it. 
and um, he he was mad because these kind of things typically go through the geeks before they go to the mainstream, and it's kind of the geeks who decide what's going to live and what's going to die. Because you know, geeks were the first to use Facebook in college, the college crowd, Twitter, um, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, pretty much every well the most probably a lot of the location services were driven by geeks first before it really hit the mainstream right uh, but Pinterest bypassed the geeks altogether right. Right. Well, and, and I, but we were talking about a little bit before the podcast it didn't necessarily services very similar to, to Pinterest did not bypass geeks because something like delicious.com which is a bookmarking service has been used by geeks for a long time Google has a bookmarking service there are other ones uh, as well and Pinterest is basically just that only much more visual mm-hmm. um, and probably better integration into some of the other popular social media channels than Well, that like was my first unfortunate experience with Pinterest. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on and try this. Because what did I call it? I called it when we talked about yeah. it. I called it Pin Interest. Pin That's how clueless I was. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll go ahead and sign on. It's like, you've got to sign up. First of all, it was the whole ridiculous fake demand, you know, like, oh, well, we have to filter the demand so you can request to be invited in and right. we'll see if you pass muster. I'm like, whatever. And then like a day later, you've been accepted. I'm like, is anybody not accepted? What? what? Careful. Don't, don't oh, bump like this? too much. Uh, that's right. going to be loud. Is anybody not accepted to Pinterest? I mean, to me, that's just like silliness. So then yeah. I'm like, all right, now I'm rolling my eyes. Demand. And the only way to, to, to sign up yeah. is through Facebook or Twitter. And so I did it, and I didn't want—I didn't want this. But what happened was, I'm immediately following everybody right. in Facebook who's on Pinterest. Right. Because I'm using Pinterest right now. My wife and I are remodeling our basement, so I'm using Pinterest fairly heavily right now for lighting and right. other things for our plumbing or fixtures and stuff. And um, so I'm, I've been on there a lot over the last couple of weeks, and I noticed when you. Signed right. up. So all of a sudden, it's Chris Bevelo is following your your boat. Wow. So, so all they of force these people, you to follow. Yes, all of these people. Well, from the start, and from maybe start. I missed user error. I missed something, huh? but I tried to avoid it because I'm like, I don't, I don't want yeah. this to be on my Facebook. I don't want whatever I do. But to it show is on now. Facebook. No, it's not. That's part not. But immediately, like sixty people. Yeah. And there are people in there that are there are friends of my right. Facebook that I don't I don't engage with at all. Right. And they start coming back. Oh, I'm going to follow you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going <laughs> to post anything here. You shouldn't follow. So I'm I'm having to go through and manually on 60 um, people unfollow well you don't have to though I mean it, it, I do well, I because think, it, what it does is it's it's suggesting that I am following them and engaged in them and I'm not well, you don't well, have, I mean most people aren't going to but that's a typical thing right with these right. social media tools where it does that right and you know it's funny because I just recently learned that the demand or the interest in Pinterest it like has <clears throat> multiplied exponentially it's like right Hundreds, yeah, yeah. millions of people now are on this. Well, tour. how is that possible when you have to be selected and I don't invited know the, in? I don't think you have to be specially invited anymore. Then why do they put you through? Well, that I, th- I think there is though. That's part of what creates interest around something as part of that kind of that exclusivity aspect of it. If it's real, it does. Right. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You're right. Psychologically, it's like, ooh, I want to be invited it's in. It's kind of like the Google Plus phenomenon. Right. right. Exactly. Google Plus did it in a way that was actually restrictive. This just seems like it's they yeah. do it just to make yeah. for that make effect. It but it's really not. Right. But I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, it's very. I heard about it months ago, and I thought, oh, that's that's nice, a nice service. But I never really thought about it being used in a business sense when it was right. first came, when it first came out. It right. seemed like online scrapbooking for me or something like that. Which, and I, was which like, I think, yes. And I think that's a great niche to fill, but I didn't really see the application in healthcare. But, I mean, our hospital is on Pinterest, and we're using it. Right. And it's actually pretty successful. Successful, how are you defining success? Well. That it's pretty? 
that it looks really nice. No, um, <laughs> we're actually starting to gain a lot of interest in it. So well, people I are starting to engage. You're people are starting to follow us. A lot of Pinterest okay. in it, you mean? A lot of pins. People are following our pins. Okay. So. Which is fine. That's not really... Again, that's, that's social media engagement that may lead nowhere. You're absolutely right. I, mean, I, think, I think that the whole point is how we do it, right? Because what Pinterest is and what the audience is... Um, it's right. obviously not the t- not, not the geeks, right? right, right. The geeks is... kind of watch it go by, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like there's this whole whole group of people that are not technically savvy that are using this, but are using it in a very realistic, engaging sort of way. And so when we jumped into it, I mean, at first I wasn't even interested in it, in, in doing it. I, I thought Pinterest and healthcare doesn't really make a lot of sense. But then our social media manager. Who is what she was very active on Pinterest before personally. She created some 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 accounts for us, some you know, pin boards or online boards or whatever they're called. Yeah. And uh, and we're getting people to follow us. But I think it's how we set it up. Right. Well, that's, that's the key, point. Because we were joking beforehand about right. Twitter posts I saw from the system. And I won't give them away, I don't want to make them feel bad, but it was like, hey, watch for our Da Vinci robot videos on our Pinterest. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, this is exactly how this is exactly how people misuse hospitals misuse Facebook. They don't realize that 99 percent of the people on Facebook don't want to hear about your Da Vinci robot, right? So if you're going to use these tools, you have to be relevant, right? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's a, I don't. In terms of how this thing is used, I don't know. I, it might be too early to, early to say what, what's, what's a misuse of this service and what's not, because I think it's kind of defining itself right now, and I, it's going to evolve for sure. But I think you need to definitely look at it realistically for what it is. I mean, A, it's a bookmarking service. Right. And it's an extraordinarily powerful search tool because now you are, you can search, you search by whatever the topic is you're searching for and you get some pretty freaking relevant results. Like, I mean, again, talking about um, when I was looking for lighting and plumbing, I was doing I was doing Google searches for certain terms and topics, and I was getting you know I had to weed weed through all sorts of crap. Um, wasn't a visual way to experience the results. And when I did those same searches through Pinterest, I ended up finding stuff that other people just like me who were in my exact same situation okay. were searching for and saving. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it, the heavy use of it might be around things like you know home remodeling type things or craft right. type things, but. As people grow to appreciate it for what it is in that regard, they're going to use it for other things, too. Um, so I think it's pretty wise to, to test the waters, see what it's about, put some stuff up there, see if it gets bookmarked right. and shared. Um, but again, it's kind of like what I, when I talk about um, uh, with Facebook, we, when we talk about social media, it, it, being present on Pinterest, being present on Facebook doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to have a presence there in terms of a, like a literal fan page or like page. It means that you've created something awesome that people want to talk about, and they talk about it on Facebook. Right. So for like a hospital to really be right. on Facebook in a powerful way, it means you've done something that people are sharing and want to talk about. Right. That's the real power of social media, and that's how you are. That's how being on there is important. So when it comes to something like Pinterest, creating content that people actually want to pin right. and share, and other people will repin. That is what. So it isn't. It isn't just a matter of going and creating a, a Pinterest account and pinning crap and hoping people follow it. It's a matter of making things that people want to pin. Right. Right. So in our case, we we created a a, a pin board or an online board around healthy healthy eating, 
uh, and you know recipes and other things. I, my wife uses Pinterest primarily for recipes. She, right. and she right. loves it for that. Loves it. Right. And you know, and the and the, our strategy too is that we don't really pin our content. We pin other people's mm-hmm. content onto our board. Yeah. And that uh, that uh, adds to our authenticity right, right. because we're really we're really becoming a curator for content. And other people following our page. You do that pins. in other social media channels too, though. You right. You do that with Facebook. Right. And not all hospitals do that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a deliberate, a deliberate a, a intention Here's on our social the, media strategy. The thing, though, to your point, though, this is what Pinterest is for. It's for sharing this kind of content. That's not really. Facebook's not really for that. Facebook is a place for like social, for connecting with people and being social. And Pinterest has that component, but Pinterest is all about bookmarking things mm-hmm. and checking out other people's things that they found interesting. Right. That's not, I mean, Facebook can do that, but that's not what Facebook is for. Right. So that's the, the big difference between what these social media platforms are. And using Pinterest in a powerful way, again, it's, it's a much better platform for sharing that kind of stuff in that way than Facebook ever will be, because right. that's just not what Facebook is. Like I said, it's got a component that's built in to do that, but that's not what it is at its core. Yeah. Good point. What's next? You guys throw out a topic. Um, well, I, I'd like to talk about, well, let's talk about slogans. We kind of had a little riff about that earlier. Slogan loading? Slogan Logan? Slogan, slogan loading. The slogan loading? <laughs> Logan's, Logan loathes slogans. Slothing. Slothing. Slogothing. Slogothing, I think it's our term. Why do we loathe slogans? Well, I... From my perspective, I think that a lot of people put a high importance around slogans, around, and they, they really try to epitomize their brand in a slogan. Right. And I think that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. I mean, anybody that can, it doesn't mean that you can't epitomize your brand in a slogan, but in order to put all your importance in that slogan, sorry, that, yeah, that slogan. <laughs> I'm getting confused here. Uh, it, it can it can become counterintuitive, and it actually has a lot of healthcare marketers. They tend to focus on that, and they don't. They don't see the. They don't get the big idea because it's not coming through in the, in the slogan. Well, it's, yeah, it's that pitfall of thinking that you can't do something unless you can specifically call it something. Yeah, there you go. And exactly. it, which is bizarre. And you know, I mean, is, is there a big difference between like your a, a slogan and a tagline? I mean, do we, is there? A, no, I think they're kind of the same. They're kind of the kind same. Of the same. same. And, the three of us worked on a project um, recently. Well, we're still working on it, um, which we brought in a usability expert. And we've, we've mentioned his quote before. And I know it's a little extreme. And Chris, you kind of shake your head at uh, Babylon. But Steve Krug, who wrote the book uh, Don't Make Me Think, mm-hmm. hit, hit the line he threw out, his tagline about taglines, yeah. <laughs> was if, if you have a tagline that somebody else can use, it's a failure. Yeah. Um, which is now, I do roll my eyes, but go ahead. Right. But, but I think it's... It, what, it, what that points out in terms of tagline is a lot of them are kind of meaningless. I mean, they're meaningless yes. fluff. Right. It, and it's, it's yes, it can, it, can, it can say what you do. So, I mean, it's not a failure in that regard. You know, we help people. Maybe that's your hospital tagline. Yes, that's what you do. It's not necessarily a fa- failure, but it says nothing about you, really, about who you are. But I think your example you just brought up about Steve Krug saying that if you can't epitomize it in your slogan then it shouldn't be one for you. I think he's also confusing the fact that he's trying to say that your slogan should epitomize your brand. I think brands need to be unique. Brands need to be unique to your organization. Your brand position. Well, that's what he's saying. I think that's yeah, what Steve is but, saying. But, but Steve is, is making them, making, is confusing the fact that, um, 
Thank you. Is confusing the fact that he's thinking that the slogan should be the brand. And in my belief, I believe a slogan doesn't necessarily need to be a brand. It's just, it's a tagline to the brand. It's like, it's, it adds additional elements to it. Can you add that? We just got our food, so I'm chinking my silverware together so that you, for the, for the restaurant sound effect. The ambient background restaurant. Somehow we got like loud table behind us now. Yeah, we do. Like, very animated conversation. Thank you. This may be unusable. Your hamburger? Well, I think it'll be okay. Okay. So anyway, um, so regarding that, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts, Chris? You've been mysteriously silent about this. Well, I, I get what Steve's trying to say. So yeah. I think it's, I, I agree with the spirit of that. That it, it needs to, if you're going to have a tagline, it needs to be something that points out something unique about you. I think the way he said it is where I get stuck. And so this amazing, like, just do it is probably the most brilliant tagline ever. Yeah. Because it captured the spirit of what Nike was all about. Anybody could have used Just Do It. Anybody could have. So to his point then, Just Do It doesn't work. But I don't think that's what he meant. I think what he meant was it needs to represent who you are in a unique way, which Just Do It did. But can a hospital, I mean, let's, let's take the hospital or healthcare marketing here. I mean, have you seen, Chris, in your experience around brands, any any good slogans that have been That's usually my comeback to anybody who overemphasizes the importance of slogan. Tell me one. Tell me one health system slogan. Just tell me one. I don't care whether it's good or bad. Right now, name one. Nobody can do it. Right. No. no. And, and, it's, and it's not that it couldn't be done. It's just that it's not. Usually, they're always innocuous. Right. Plus, it's there's. We've talked about this before, I think, but it's always worth repeating. The inappropriate value assigned to it represents the misunderstanding of marketing in our industry. Right. Because that value is typically assigned by physicians or leaders who don't get it. They just think we just need the perfect slogan because they believe all you have to do is tell people that you're great. Right. And we all know that most people don't care whether you're great or not because they don't care about you because right. the public doesn't care. That and the fact that just telling telling how great you are is not enough in a competitive environment. Right. You have to distinguish yourself. And a slogan is, if anything, it's like a logo. It would be like expecting your logo to be your, your utter brand driver. Right. No logo does that. It's right. a symbol. Your a right. slogan, at its best, is a symbol for everything behind it. Right. It's not it. It's a symbol for it. So that's where I get stuck is because people misassign the value of the it, the brand value, to the slogan. Right. Right? Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, I think good slogans do complement the brand for sure. And in some cases, do reflect the brand promise, but not all of them can achieve that. And by doing so, you're missing the point. You're, you're wasting a lot of time. You're, yeah, you are. Well, not only that, but you're wasting resources on. I mean, we we tossed out some ideas before the show about um, amazing campaigns, marketing campaigns that existed that were named after the fact, and probably one of the easiest ones to identify right now is the old Spice Guy. Yeah, old Spice. To my knowledge, Old Spice didn't call him Old Spice Guy. That is a name he earned from people who didn't know what else to call him, really. And not, that's not a bad thing that they didn't know what else to call him. Right. He, he is the old Spice guy. Right. So he became known at that. They didn't come out saying, 
Here's our Old Spice guy. They came out with a cool, they came out with a really great idea right. that was named by people who thought it was a great idea. Now, that's a powerful name. You know, another one, too, I'll throw out. Sometimes, some people hold this up as the greatest commercial of all time. So when I say that, what comes to mind for you guys? Greatest commercial of all time? Greatest commercial of all time. Where's the beef? No. <laughs> my mouth. <laughs> That's what she said. Hello. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 apple. The apple app. The nineteen eighty four app. Okay, there, there you go. What did you just call it? Nineteen eighty four app. Does nineteen eighty four appear anywhere in the app? No. I don't believe it does. Now I could be wrong about that. Right. That's what it's called. Right. But it's nowhere in the ad. The concept right. does not say it's 1984. It, it references that that book by you know showing the woman breaking the the big giant monolithic you know thing. Right. But that's not the slogan for the ad. Right. So that to me is the epitome of what we're talking. about. Well, here's one too that's really kind of it's funny that um, that, that sometimes they do create this this concept like um, Adam you mentioned the old Spice guy. There's also in uh, the Allstate commercials, there's that guy who's the Mayhem guy. Mayhem, yeah, yeah. Right? But they just recently named him Mayhem, right? He wasn't named Mayhem when the concept came out at first. They recently attributed that name to him. Oh, uh, well, he represented Mayhem. He represented Mayhem. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't, yeah, I don't know if right. called But now he's yeah. called Mayhem, and they actually started to create a Facebook account and a Twitter account for Mayhem. Because it took off so much. Because it took off. But, you know, even to me, when I look at that, it, it almost cheapened the concept. Right. By naming it. Right. And giving him a life and giving him a name called Right, Mayhem. right. Because he we hate he isn't supposed to be a, he isn't supposed to be a I mean at, at the heart of it, he's not like a, a it's not supposed to be a mascot. He's supposed to represent a state of being or of an experience. He's not supposed to have mayhem. He's supposed to represent an experience. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. He's not an old spice guy. Yeah, exactly. Again, I don't know what the, the slogan for that was. What was it? It's, it's Allstate, right? It's Allstate's classic. I can't remember what it was. Allstate has a, a bunch of different brands. They've got the one guy with the, with the deep voice, too, who does Allstate. Doesn't he show up at the end of the Mayhem? Or it's just, no, it's no, just, he doesn't. just Mayhem. Right. It just Mayhem represents, you know, the he different things that He says something like, so you can be ready for Mayhem like me. Like me. Right. But that's yeah. not a slogan. It's not a slogan. It's just the end of the copy. And now that they made it a slogan... It, but I don't even think they've made a slogan to our yeah, point. They even have, they personified they've tried to pers- personify it. Right. So, again, there can be slogans like, even though I think it's loathsome, um, I'm loving it. That's a slogan. You know, just do it's a slogan. So we're not saying you can't do it. It's just, that is not, that's the not end the secret sauce. Right, right, right. And if you're limiting your thinking when it comes to branding or campaigns to something that you can name you are really narrowing the possibilities right and 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 you're probably coming and you're probably weakening what you what you what 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 the end result could be of your efforts because you're shutting so much out what you should probably do is start by thinking what broad overarching concepts can we execute that can't get that cannot be named the that, unnamed that, that which cannot be named. <laughs> the Voldemort. <laughs> the Voldemort approach. The Voldemort, Voldemort slogan. <laughs> the slogan that cannot be named. That was my, my first... Okay, I have two back to Pinterest, speaking of Voldemort. I've only pinned two things, or repinned, right? One was 
somebody, so I follow, um, one of the things I look at is design, geek, I can't remember if it was in the geek category, but it was an old movie poster for the for the Usual Suspects. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. And it's like a, it's like a uh, two footprints walking. That's all it is. Red, red field of red, and two black footprints. And the one footprint's angled because for the most of it, he's the you know the down guy, and then it starts turning straight. And, and at the top, it's straight. And I'm like, that's just amazing. So I posted that on Pinterest. I, why did I tell you that? There's a reason. I don't know. <laughs> Son of a. Son of a. Well, let's turn to our third topic. Oh, Voldemort. That was oh, the Voldemort. other one. Oh. Somebody had done a poster of Valentine's things from Harry Potter. Like a Voldemort Valentine? There was like, yeah, there's Voldemort and Snape and it was pretty cool. Sorry, that was, that was a failed, <laughs> a failed feedback loop. So it was an FFL. It's okay. Sometimes you propose things that do fail. So the proof of success is that you propose things that fail. That's yes. right. That's not up on Dr. Luther Waxel. <laughs> we need to write him a strongly worded letter. <laughs> we do. I think those things have nothing to do with success. Okay, let me let me bring up the third topic. Oh, this is, are we going to go there? We have to. No, this, it's already going long enough. Let's not go there. What's the third topic? Well, I have a little beef with what you guys said in a couple of podcasts ago. All right, time is up. <laughs> well, we can talk about it. All right, this is gonna, we're going to do another hour. Super Bowl spectacular hour it was too much. We've right. got five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, let's do it. So you guys were talking about CRM, and Adam, you had a lot of problems with with hospitals using. Well, actually, it started with. Was it USA Today is the article that sensationalized the fact that hospitals are using CRM now? No, well, it, that wasn't the problem, though. My problem was, and it wasn't, it's not even a problem, was how the potential of, I mean, the article was about using patient data, patient medical records, to then market to people. That wasn't the only, that was like one part of it. But that was the part that I talked about, that I got hung up on and, and thought there was some really potentially shady stuff going on. Right. I had no problem with CRM. I mean, it's, it's, it's an essential part of any business. Right. So, that, that for sure not. It's, it's the potential misuse of patient information that I have a problem with. And when I listened to it, I, I, my feedback was I wanted to, I wanted, I was actually speaking back to your podcast on my radio because, <laughs> well, I was like, wait a second, wait a second, because some of your apprehensions are actually unfounded and B, it's completely legal in order to use a CRM in, in the healthcare space as long as you do it the right way. Right, but my beef isn't with CRM at all. Yeah, it's yeah. With- it's the marketing. It's gathering their names and getting them to opt in. Right. Right. So what I what I wanted to do is just very quickly let's just bring it up and we use a CRM pretty pretty advanced at our hospital. We're not one of only four hospitals in the country using CRM. In fact, the majority <laughs> of hospitals are using it. No, it was one of there are three consultants that or three three companies. Yeah. There's more than three companies offering CRM. There's there's a handful, there's like at least in, that are focused on healthcare using CRM in general. Right. There's hundreds. Right. So I mean, this is not a new concept at all. No, but that's what, that was my whole thing. Was it was funny that it was USA Today was like they just uncovered this, you know, unbelievably secret 
right. sensational thing. So that, go ahead. Well, anyway, so my, my point was, what I wanted to bring up is, is the fact that how you get patients to opt into marketing communications is it's complex, but in our in our hospital for sure, and I don't I don't know of any other hospitals that do this. We don't we don't have them opt into marketing communications when they're checking into the hospital in a compromised state. Right, and in many cases, hospitals don't even get them to opt into marketing at all at all when they're even discharged. Right, um, we take. We really want to, when people are opting in, we actually take a, we, we apply the digital rules about opting in because there's laws around spam, can spam it, that regulate even even more severely than HIPAA does. And we, we have to, we ensure that people double opt in to our campaigns. So for example, we had, we have people that opted into our Heart Smart newsletter. They went to a website, they said they wanted to get a quarterly newsletter from us. Now this is Heart Month, so we send out we're sending out a daily email tip. We call it the 28 Days of Heart Health. Now, obviously, we really wanted to send it to all these people on this list, but what we did is we, we didn't we didn't automatically assume that because they opted into this to the quarterly newsletter that they want a daily newsletter as well. We took we take great care to move them into a different database entirely, a different set, and say, we want to offer this to you. Would you like to opt into this? Right. So I think that, you know, engaging with patients and starting to share marketing information with them is completely a legitimate practice. Oh, for sure. And, and it's done in some, in some organizations, for sure, we're, we're trying to be above board and not trying to, you know, take fake our way, take water, advantage of the way. Like but, the, but HIPAA, though, what does HIPAA say, Chris? Well, we actually did a presentation on HIPAA in like 2003, mm-hmm. and now I can't remember half of it. Well, we were just looking at HIPAA, some of the guidelines, mm-hmm. moments ago before we sat down for lunch, and what what did it say again? It, was, it, it did say that you don't have to, you have to allow them the opportunity to opt out. Right. You don't have to opt in. You don't have to ask them to opt in. You have to allow them the opportunity to opt out. When you communicate when you with can. them. Now another thing, when we send direct letters to people in the mail, that they may have been seen in our hospital for a heart condition, and we want to give them, a, provide them awareness about diabetes or what have you, we take great care not to identify that patient when we mail a letter to that household because that person may not live there anymore, or their family member may open that up. That's a really good point. And so we we we're very clear about that. We don't say, "Hey, Chris Bevelo, you showed up for heart failure." And because of that, you need to, you know, we have to be very careful, or we try to be very because careful. Because you came off, because because of your visit for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Dad, do you have erectile dysfunction? What? So your STD test, Dad, were positive. what's erectile dysfunction? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Dad, I mean, what's syphilis, and what are you doing about it? So, you know, the, the long point is I just wanted to clear up some maybe myths or misconceptions about about how this, this all works. Well, and I think we got, Adam and I got all wrapped up in less the HIPAA part of it. So I think we, we might have, like, misconstrued even our understanding of HIPAA. But it was more, I think, if I could speak for Adam, the, just the, even the ethical... Is it appropriate, and, it, and when is it appropriate right. to follow people? And I think what your point was, because you start off by the, the article compared a lot of this to what you get when you go to Amazon, you buy a book, and Amazon will say, "Well, you bought this book, so here's some other books you might like." Comparing this to that is is 
really not appropriate because you don't go, hey, you had syphilis. Perhaps you would also like right. this and this yeah. and this. And not that that's what you do in a hospital, but the idea of using the personal information to resell something right. is much more sensitive. It needs to be sensitively handled and held. Right. I think that's what you're we're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, and but my my beef was also that just. When I, if I'm going to Amazon and giving them my information, I kind of assume, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm already in a marketing setting. I'm in a, I'm in a buying and selling mode. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hurt. I don't have some something that needs to be cured, or I don't have some weird ailment that I'm trying to get. You know, so I'm not in any kind of vulnerable state. I'm in a state in which I expect this information is probably going to be used that way. Right. And I accept that. And I want it to be because I do want to see suggestions for things I might be interested in, based on things that I, I'm buying now. Contrast that to when you go to the hospital and you are sick, you are in somewhat of a vulnerable state much of the time. You don't, you're not under the assumption that that information is going to be used for anything other than your visit and and, and any follow up stuff. Uh, well, that's, so there's the secret right there. I mean, to me, I think you can say the same thing on either one. If I go in and I have diabetes, I don't think it's out of the realm of expectation to be followed up with on diabetic content right. seminars. Followed up uh, properly. Especially with stuff that well, yeah. relates. I mean, the, the weird, the, where, where my mind first goes to is just kind of an abuse of that information. But just as Chris, you talked a second ago about spam, just sending stuff. Here's our database of names. Let's just send crap to them. You know, throw, throwing shit at the wall and seeing, seeing if it's, you know, what sticks. Yeah. From, I mean, Thank you. If you went in for GI. <laughs> for your colonoscopy, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, this is a bad podcast, especially over lunch. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, so yeah, so there's that. Okay, so, well, thank you, know, you for clarifying and helping us be clear. I just want to advocate for CRM use. Well, for you sure, know we so do. do. Sure, we we think it's important. And you know, I think this could be a whole other podcast, but. Adam and I especially are, are really conscious of our role in healthcare and society, our role as an agency. And, you know, we, we don't want to be just here to make money. I mean, we do want to have a profitable business, but we need to, be, we need to feel okay about what we're doing. Right. And so, you know, we want people to be using CRM. I want to be able to scoff at USA Today for, you know, putting CRM in quotes and talking about it like this is like uncover this, you know, secret thing. But we also want to make sure this stuff is done right, and it's not leading to the system, you know, in a bad way. The system we have. So a lot of times we're assuming that we're not assuming, but we're trying to ensure that our clients are doing things the right way, not just to make money for them or us, but that it's ethical and appropriate. Okay, good. It can be hard sometimes. I think it can be hard. Ask my girlfriend, who's a social worker. Who doesn't want to hear anything about anybody making any money anywhere from healthcare? And and when she tell, says that, I'm like, oh no, here's you know. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh geez, maybe. Wow, I should move to Canada sometime. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I have the same problem when I talk to my relatives in Germany, and they ask me what I do. Well, you get that from people here. No, no. What do you do? Oh, I help hospitals market. What do you? What? Why? What yeah. do they need to Why? market for? No, what are you talking about? Yeah, I've, I've got friends who've been. Very taken aback by when we when we get on these topics, and I mention, and I remind them that hospitals are businesses and have right. to make money, and they're like, well, they, they shouldn't. No, they're not. They shouldn't be. And it's like, well, <laughs> they are. Sorry, that's yeah. how that's how our system works right now. And I could actually argue. This is what I have a fun time doing is trying to articulate why I think that's an okay thing. No margin, no mission. 
No, nice. I have never used that one. Tanya would say, no, no margin at all. <laughs> None. You can still have your mission. You can have margin admission. She would say, no margin mission. You don't have to have margin to have your mission. You honestly don't. Margin means you've got something above and beyond what you need to operate. That's the whole definition of margin. So you really don't need margin to do your mission. Yeah, it depends. Right? I mean, it depends on... And it kind of comes down to the, the to capitalism, period. Yes, yes, yes. That, that you need to have... I mean, in order, especially for innovation to happen, there needs to be some... Typically, right. needs to be some sort of incentive. Not that it has to be... Not that it has to be financial incentive, um, but people need to be incented to, to make things better, better. and to improve. Yes. So it, most of the time, for better or for worse, it's financial incentive, you know? Yeah, and yeah. also just personal satisfaction and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know that healthcare would be better that way. See, and I use I that know. with Tanya. And I don't she, know. her comeback is, I'm not in it for money. I don't make any, you know, she doesn't make good money as a social worker. If we, we could have a system where people that really want to do this for the, for just for the pure altruism of it. But in our current society, we need to have people like us that are concerned about that yeah. in order for her to continue to have her job. Topic for another podcast. Yes. Yep. Should we sign off from the, from the Runyon? We should. For, for, for the great Dr. Luther Waxling. <laughs> four rules of success. I think we came up with a couple others on this I podcast. I think you've made fun of Adam for saying just because it happened to you it doesn't make it interesting. That should be directed at me. I'm so self-conscious about that little statement. I always worry that I tell stories I think are fascinating that are like... <laughs> What? I'm sorry, were you saying something? That's funny. (laughs) All right. For Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Ambassadors, this is Chris Pebble. Adam Meyer. And Chris Boyer. We'll talk to you next time.